Business and Bucket fam, we are live, baby. Episode 37, this beautiful Tuesday afternoon, summer afternoon in Seattle. I love me some summer here. High 70s, sunny right on the beach, sea breeze, can't complain. We got a stacked show today. I'm super excited to be able to dive into the topics. But before we talk sports, we're talking fueled supplements. Do you guys have trouble sleeping? Do you wake up feeling groggy or not feeling like you've even rested? Do you toss and turn at night? If so, it's time to get knocked out. It's back. The market's leading advanced sleep and recovery formula, Knocked Out, is now in stock with the facelift with two new flavors and an improved ingredient profile. Experience an unreal night's rest with this all-in-one sleep formula. You get superior recovery, muscle repair, pain relief, and anti-inflammation. You fall asleep faster, sleep deeper, and wake up feeling more refreshed. You can regulate depressive and sedative actions critical for relaxation and decreases stress and anxiety, manages cortisol and adrenaline reset. It increases growth hormone production as well. Two delicious flavors to suit your taste buds. Watch your sleep improve, mood improve, productivity improve, and your life improved with Knocked Out. Save some cash while you're at it. Go to fueledsupplements.com and use my promotion code BUCKETS for 15% off all products, including Knocked Out. Once again, promotion code BUCKETS for 15% off. All right, business and buckets fam. We are going to lead with some NFL news. Um, I think the NFL is super important because we're deep into the season. You know what I mean? Um, into the off season. We're almost to training camp. We're almost to preseason. The NFL Hall of Fame game, which my Steelers will be a part of, probably their third and fourth stringers, but it's not that far away either. So um, the first piece is Seahawks offer Jamal Adams a record-breaking contract, but supposedly that ain't enough for the, the old boy back there in the backfield. He says that they're far off, so it'll be interesting to see how that you know, matches up because if the Seahawks are already offering him a lot of money, that shows that they are interested in having them, having him there long-term. Uh, but if he doesn't want to, I'm sure that's going to cause a, a mess and a throw a wrench into their plan. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. And some other veteran news, Aaron Rodgers expected to play for green Bay this year, which kind of has me as a shocker, but I knew that they weren't going to do anything. So what was his choice? Supposedly, they're going to adjust his contract so that he could be prepared to leave the team next season. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out as well. But the Green Bay Packers are going to be a force to be reckoned with this year, having Rodgers back under center. Um, D.D. Westbrook, Boomer Sumer, baby, signing with the Vikings. Glad to see him on a team. I'm sure he could help Kirk Cousins and squad. Uh, he's a great receiver to add to the team. And the NFL is going to allow Deshaun Watson to show up to training camp. Um, there, there's a lot of different things that have come on the news lately with him, but that's big for him. Uh, Ten women have now filed complaints against the Houston police about Deshaun Watson, according to his attorney, Rusty Harden. And eight of the women, according to his lawyer, are among the 22 who have alleged uh, in allegedly put in lawsuits that Watson sexually assaulted them or engaged in sexually inappropriate behavior during the massage sessions. So we're starting to get some clarity here. We'll see what happens. There's potential rumors that he could go, that Sean Watson might be traded to the Eagles. And uh, according to my sources, some fun news about Houston is we know that crazy DeAndre Hopkins trade that had went down. 
that there was some video footage of him with one of the athletic trainers on the team uh, that didn't want to get surfaced. You know, who knows how that got handled, but the Texans were trying to um, be ahead of that, make that trade, trade him to Arizona. They got David Johnson in return, and nothing has actually come to fruition from that. So it's just a lot of different things going on with Houston. I would love to see Deshaun Watson suit up and play and start for the NFL this year. So it's going to be interesting to watch that play out as he is a superstar in the league. And this one probably caught me by the most surprise. Chandler Jones requesting a trade from the Cardinals. He's stating that he doesn't like the direction of the team and isn't happy with his contract. With all the moves that the Cardinals are doing, having Kyler Murray at quarterback, the offensive weapons they have, this is just a little bit of a shocker for me. So it'll be interesting to see if they actually do trade him as he's already been um, a part of the Patriots team to Arizona and has been uh, an elite sack, you know, edge rusher, uh, league leader in sacks since he's um, been on both teams. Freak athlete. Um, the Eagles signed Steven Nelson to a one-year deal. Uh, Steven Nelson coming from the Pittsburgh Steelers, um, you know, that the, they, they didn't match up this year and they're willing to take the youth um, options at corner. So uh, good to see him back on a team. He performed really well two years ago for the Steelers. The Saints are signing Chris Hogan after his lacrosse stint. So they will add him to the receiving court. It'll be interesting to see if he actually makes the roster or not. And then Michael Thomas supposedly out until around week eight. So for fantasy purposes, keep that in mind. Absolutely going to be tough for Jameis Winston uh, to be able to start with the season with the Saints without Mr. Mike Thomas. And the Giants are being super cautious about the Saquon Barkley recovery. Supposedly he's looking good, but they're trying to make sure that they're very patient. So it'll be interesting to see how he goes through preseason and if he starts week one. And then in some college football news, because we don't have a full college football segment till the season starts, Oklahoma and Texas both have... Um, sent in their recognition or their um, letter that they're going to be out of the Big 12 and they have applied for the SEC. No updates on where the SEC stands with that. But why the hell have conferences at this point? You know, I'm wearing my Oklahoma t-shirt today. Um, I just hate that there's going to be one conference that has all the power. They're talking about expanding the playoff field. But it just none of this is too interesting to me when you have one powerful conference. Uh, what the point? What the hell is the point for the other ones? So I don't really like that. I hope it gets shut down somehow. But at this point, it looks like it is going to happen. So we got some UFC news, uh, some fight announcements happening. We have Joaquin Buckley versus Antonio Arroyo. Uh, Buckley had that highlight knockout during COVID on Fight Island that made him viral. Then he lost his last fight. So it'll be interesting to see how he performs back in the octagon. Uh, Peter Jan and Aljo rematching in Jan uh, in October 30th for the UFC card. Also matched up with Jan Blakovich and Glover Teixeira for the um, interesting fight happening um, on October 30th. Jan Blakovich, obviously the light heavyweight champion, um, and Glover Teixeira is basically one fight away from fighting for the heavyweight championship. Big big Bellator 263 card this weekend. With potentially the biggest fight ever in Bellator, uh, we have Patricio Pitbull with a 32-4 and record versus the undefeated AJ McKee. He is 17-0. I'll be tuning in for this. Um, I'm not a huge Bellator fan, but this is the two of the best talent they have matching up. I would assume Pitbull is going to win. I don't know a lot about either of these guys because I'm just not a big Bellator guy. 
Uh, but I'll be tuning in to see the talent, see what happens, you know, see if these guys make their way to the UFC. And also Usman Nurmagomedov is fighting, which we all know the Nurmagomedov. You read it. I know how to say it, but I look at it. It's kind of tricky sometimes. Nurmagomedov, Usman fighting, who uh, also is somebody that the UFC missed on. Elsewhere in UFC news, uh, Kamaru Usman and Kobe Covington rematch set for November. So we have some fun rematches happening in the UFC, in the fight game. Uh, TJ Dillashaw, we'll, we'll talk about that headline and recap last weekend's card in a minute, but is diagnosed with a pretty much a shredded knee, lateral tears to his uh, MCL and full tear of his LCL. He said he will be doing surgery. He also had that cut open up and... After the fight, he talked about having to get surgery to get the cartilage removed. So I'm interested to see if he gets both of those surgeries because you don't want that uh, cut to open back up. And hopefully he can recover so he doesn't miss an opportunity at the title and they give somebody else that opportunity after Jan and Aljo in October. But I'm assuming that's going to be somewhat of a war. They can't turn around till the beginning of the year. So TJ is going to have till early 2022 to figure that out. This past weekend's card, I went 4-8, and eight, 50% in the picks. N- not very good, having a tough streak. There's been some crazy decisions that have been swayed the past few weekends and also just some crazy performances. And um, Let's dive in to UFC Vegas 32. We had Diana Belvita with the unanimous decision over Hannah Goldie. I had picked Hannah Goldie in this fight. Belvita was able to be the aggressor while standing, definitely the better striker on their feet. And Goldie, Goldie was able to get two talk, takedowns, but that wasn't enough. Um, you know, I don't know how much I ever credit the UFC website for this, but that's where I go for the statistics. Uh, Diana had 126 total strikes and 117 of those significant versus Hannah's 107 total and 92 significant. Uh, Balbita also got a knockdown. That was really the big difference in this fight. Um, But this is Diana's first UFC victory, a good one over a good prospect in Hannah Goldie. will be exciting to watch these two fight. We got 24K Goldie and Diana the Warrior Princess Belbita. And then some of the fights got moved around. Mickey Gall actually fighting in the prelims. He gets a first-round submission over Jordan Williams. Man was Williams the aggressor early in this fight. He was aggressive, landing big shots early. But Gall got a nasty uppercut in the clinch that almost finished Jordan and completely changed the pace of the fight. From there, it was all Gall, though. He was able to get the takedown and get Williams back to, to uh, lock in the rear naked choke. And I think I was a little surprised, and everyone was surprised, that Jordan tapped out and didn't gut out that performance because he's just a guy that's putting everything on the line. Rags to riches story. Even Gall was shocked. Um, but this is the best I've seen from Gall and definitely shows his improvement. He hasn't really impressed me in a showing, so this is a big step forward for him. Um, he's calling for Carlos Condit, the Carlos Condit fight to be rebooked. It was supposed to happen, didn't happen. I, I wouldn't mind seeing that. Um, but this is the start of a new winning streak and excited to see where Mickey goes from here. If it's not Condit, maybe somebody like Court McGee or Diego Lima, um, who are right there in the midst of the back end of the rankings. Uh, but will be fun to watch him as he continually progresses. He's still pretty young. Uh, but big win for Mr. Mickey Gall. I had picked Gall. And then in someone that I didn't pick, we had Nasser Dean Amavov with a second-round knockout over Ian Heinish. Amavov was definitely the aggressor in this fight and dominated Ian from the gate. This was my first loss in my parlay that ruined the weekend. Um, Amavov had 46 total strikes and thirty of those, 39 of those being significant. 
while Ian had 25 total and 24 significant. Nasser Dean also had scored a takedown, and after Ian had switched gyms and coming off two losses in a row, this is definitely a disappointment. Um, he got smoked in this fight, and to be honest, it wasn't very close. But this starts a new winning streak for Amavov, and he will be facing some tough competition up as he'll be fa facing guys right in, inside the top 15. So someone like uh, Drikas Duplesis, who we just fought, watched fight, or Christoph Jarko. Um, Ian's going to have to go back to the drawing board, but maybe a fight against Puna Soriano, who also lost, uh, would be a lot of fun to see him with the banger and Puna Soriano. Speaking of Puna Heli, we had Brendan Allen with the unanimous decision over Puna Healy Soriano. I had picked Puna Healy, the Contender Series alum, but Allen looked sharp as hell in this fight as he kept a very powerful Puna Healy at range and didn't let him land clean shots. Puna can really finish someone with a clean shot, so I was impressed by Brendan keeping him at that range. And Soriano's jacked. I think we could tell that. Uh, and you can see him tire out early in the second after throwing bombs that didn't land. Allen landed 94 total strikes and 94 significant as Puna Healy had 66 total and significant strikes himself. You know, I've seen Brandon fight, but I'm very impressed after this one. This was the best showing I've seen from him. And he's only 25 years old, which is hard to believe. Um, since his contender series win, he has won five of six since entering the UFC, including big names like Kevin Holland and Kyle Dacus. I'd love to see him fight potentially Brad Tavares or Edmund Shabazian next, getting right up there in the top 15. And this is Puna Haley's first professional loss. I definitely expect him to rebound. You know, maybe a fight against Ian Heinish, like I had talked about, or Nasser Dean Amavov would be fun. Amavov coming off the window. We'll see if he wants to take somebody off a loss. So that gives us to the main card on the free fight night in the Apex. And I thought this was going to be fight of the night, and boy, was it close. We had Adrian Yanez with a second-round knockout over Randy Costa. And this was just a tell of two rounds. Costa was piecing up Yanez with that straight left, just keeping that jab, keeping him at range. And after the volume of those jabs and Yanez just eating the shots from Costa, he started slowing down in the second. And Yanez found his timing and openings for those rich combos, like three, four punch combos. And there was a section up um, next to the cage where he landed a couple nasty body shots before going back up top. And it shut Costa down. Um, Yanez had land landed two or 64 total and significant strikes compared to Costa's 69 total, which all being significant as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, the body shots followed by the uppercut had Costa down and the hands covered and not fighting back. So Yanez was awarded the TKO. Basically landed those body shots, got an uppercut, it sat him down, he sat in the corner. And at first sight, I didn't realize the body shots are the ones that like kind of ended the fight for him. But I think it's kind of weak. A guy that's a high-level prospect like Costa, if he wants to be a threat and stick in this stacked, I mean, stacked bantamweight division, he can't quit on those shots, uh, especially when he won the first round. You know, if he could tough it out for this round, it would have been 1-1, um, you know. Have I taken nasty body shots from Mr. Adrian Yanez? Absolutely not. But this is a fight game. We talked about TJ's knee. We'll talk about that again. Um, you got to keep pushing, man. Uh, it was tough, but I had picked Yanez, so I wasn't too upset about it. Um, but I was I was shocked. How about Yanez versus Kyler Phillips, who got ripped off on this card? We'll talk about in a minute. That would be fireworks or uh, somebody else right outside the top 15. And then how about Costa versus 
Montana's own Hunter Azure. That would be a blast to see Hunter back in the octagon against Costa. But there's not a lack of fights to be booked in the bantamweight division as there is a lot of talent within probably the top 40 in the class. And then the most controversial fight of the night, Macy Barber with the split decision over Miranda Miranda Maverick. Another amazing prospect fight that came down to the wire. We had a lot of prospects on this card. A very close fight that some think Miranda won, and I agree with them. Uh, The UFC website had Miranda with 82 total strikes and 47 of those being significant, while Macy had 38 total and 36 significant. Both had a takedown as well. But really, Miranda started strong and outstruck Macy from the uh, from the beginning of round one. And it was pretty similar in round two when she got a takedown. Barber, I thought, would need to get the knockout to be able to win the fight. Uh, but they somehow gave it to her. Barber was landing a lot of single shots compared to Miranda's combos. Uh, and Miranda was definitely the aggressor pushing the pace. Maybe towards the end of the third, you could say Macy was because she was desperate. Um But at this time, uh, Macy and Miranda swapped spots in the rankings at 13 and 14. And I don't think this is going to affect their careers too much. Um, I watched the anatomy of a fighter with Miranda Maverick. And basically, she had been talking about this is not a very good fight for either of them. Um, You know, they're two young prospects being able to fight some of the older people in the division and get some experience and then build up this fight later on um, would make sense. But hey, you know, this is what what happens. This is where, where you go from here. And now they are find themselves at 13, 14, the division behind the likes of Talia Santos, Andrea Lee, Alexa Grasso, Roxanne Matarafi, Jessica I, Vivian Arahu, and Joanne Calderwood um, from six down. But hey, you know, it is what it is. That's why you can't leave it up to the judges. Uh, but I picked Barber, so it made me look a little bit better. I wasn't too upset with it. I'm sure these ladies will fight again. And then the fight that I was completely baffled on, uh, Rollian Pavia, who is technically a featherweight fighter moving up to bantamweight with a majority decision over Kyler Phillips. And this was a fight, uh, uh, this was fight of the night and a great showing by both fighters. Rollian typically fights in the flyweight, so I didn't think that he'd be able to manage uh, in the bantamweight. But you could debate that he potentially looked better in the bantamweight division, and it'll be interesting to see you know, what division he goes from here. Um, he has actually been put into the rankings in the flyweight division after this, and he is currently... Oh, no, they took him out. The UFC earlier had him in the flyweight rankings. I, I want to say it was 12, but they took him out of that. And, yeah, obviously he's not going to be in the top 15 of the bantamweight. So, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what this guy does. Um, I thought Kyler was the aggressor in this fight and landed more volume. He controlled the octagon and had more takedowns and had more um, powerful strikes. I thought, if anything, the fight would be a split decision. And if you're desperate, a draw, but not a majority decision the other way. Kyler had 95 total strikes and 74 significant with four takedowns versus uh, Pava's 72 total, 51 significant and two takedowns. Kyler also had a knockdown and a reversal in the fight. Like I said, I don't expect this fight to affect Kyler too much. I talked about Kyler fighting Adrian Yanez earlier, but maybe Marlon Vera. Um, Vera hasn't booked a lot of fights recently. He's still in the top 15. I think that'd be a good fight for both fighters. Um, You know, Sean O'Malley technically lost to him. They both train out of the MMA lab, him and Kyler. So, yeah, we'll be, you know, again, not a lack of opponents to book for these fighters. 
Um, but assuming Pavia uh, stays in the flyweight division, I would love to see a fight against Tim Elliott. If not, I mean, just book him up against a name in the bantamweight. Um, TJ Dillashaw and Corey Sanhagen. I've been hyping this up. I was hyphy about this last week. Just seeing TJ's name again just brings, you know, joy to UFC fans because he is a killer in the octagon. And he got the split decision victory. Many say this is controversial. Um, the first thing I got to say is like, TJ being the underdog and people worried about his performance after the um, EPOs, to me is borderline psychotic. TJ's a killer and I expected him to win and I would have put the house on him. The way that fight was so close, I would have been shit in my pants, but I, I was very shocked he was the underdog. And second, Corey was really able to show out in this fight and I thought he fought the best he can. The problem is TJ is the better fighter and he is lucky. Corey is lucky that TJ destroyed his knee in the first round and, re and got that uh, cut reopened in the second. The problem is, though, um, with the adversity that TJ was able to deal with, I thought he won by volume. He was controlling the octagon and the clinch game, and, and Corey wasn't able to do a lot. Sure, if we look at it like who's more beat up at the end of the fight, absolutely, Corey beat him up. But when we talk about scoring uh, and how the UFC scored this by volume, controlling the octagon, side control, cage control... I feel like TJ did enough to win that, and obviously the judges agreed with me. Unlike the Barber fight, I didn't think this was a bad de decision, um, but you know, TJ knows how the scoring's worked. He's been a champion. He's been out there a long time, and he did what he had to do to get the job done because he announced that he tore his MCL and LCL and um, wasn't able to lift up. We saw him get Corey's back multiple times, wanted to lift up. We saw him on Corey when he got the takedowns multiple times, and he said he wanted to lock in those hooks, but with his knee, he had no choice in doing that, so he had to change up his game plan. And for him to fight adversity after being out of the octagon so long just shows how much of a badass TJ Dillashaw is, and I have all the confidence in the world he'll beat Aljo or Peter to get the title, and we'll be able to go and defend his title in the bantamweight division from there. Statistically, Corey had 171 total strikes, and 128 of those were significant um, with a submission attempt. And then TJ had 169 total strikes and 110 significant with two takedowns. It was great to see TJ back in there. Um, on, on the Sanhagen side, supposedly he said that Sean Shelby had pinky promised him uh, that he is still a win away from the title shot. So if Corey can stay in the bantamweight division, I don't know how his weight cut is. He's pretty tall. Um, but he is tall and lanky, you know, he is going to be a force to be reckoned with. And I think we'll definitely have an opportunity at a title again and potentially win it. Um, TJ definitely makes this division more electric, but no matter what, um, I think he will fight the winner of Aljo Peter. I think the surgeries will be all right. Um, hopefully he doesn't have to worry about that and hopefully he gets that scar tissue fixed up. So that cut doesn't keep opening up, but yeah. Awesome fights. The Kyler fight was awesome. This fight was awesome. The Giannis fight was awesome. The Barber fight was awesome. The Brendan Allen fight was awesome. The Mickey Gall looked really impressive. So awesome fights. I knew this would be a sweet card. And that sets us up for UFC Vegas 33, another Apex card. And this card really isn't deep. I don't know a lot of the fighters. So I'm just going to dive into the headliner. I do know the likes of Trevin Jones, Nico Montagna, and Ryan Benoit. I don't really think that highly of their fights. Um, I just, I'm not going to break down fights that I don't have a clue about. You know, sorry, not sorry. 
Um, it's just not a very stacked card. I mean, one of the last least stacked cards. I will be out in nature enjoying my time and probably won't even tune in. Oops. Um, but we have Uriah Primetime Hall, the number eight ranked fighter, 36 years old, with an 18 and 9 record, taking on Sean Tarzan Strickland, the 11, uh, 11th ranked fighter, 30 years old, with a 22 3 and 1 record. Now, both of these fighters are on four fight winning streaks. Hall himself is a second degree black belt in Kyushin Karate and blue belt in BJJ. You know, we broke him down recently against Chris Weidman. He didn't get to show a lot of his talents because of that nasty leg break, uh, but he is an Ultimate Fighter alum. And then Sean himself is a brown belt in BJJ. Um, both of these fighters have knockout power, uh, but I think Hall is going to be the aggressor. He has the crazy, you know, slick moves, the spinning moves, and I don't think he's going to let Sean come forward. He also does have a three and a half inch reach advantage. We still kind of saw how that could play out in the Allen Punahili fight this past weekend. A win for Hall, though, would put him right back into contender's row in the stack division. Um, so I'm going to take Hall on this. I'm probably not going to do a parlay because I don't know enough of these, but uh, I'm sure Hall is the favorite. Let's see if I can look at that. Let's see what Vegas has to say. I always like comparing myself to Vegas because how they know. He's the underdog. Sean Strickland is the Favorite, so I might bet on that. Uriah Hall is the underdog. He's 36, right? Sean's 30 right in his fighting prime, so maybe that has something to do with the odds. Uh, but after this, next Saturday, August 7th, is UFC 265 in Houston, Texas, the interim heavyweight showdown with Derek Lewis and Cyril Gane. We also have Amanda Nunez, Jose Aldo, and a bunch more coming up, so I can't wait to break into that after recapping this slight talented UFC Vegas 33 card. But we're going to hop right into the NBA. Obviously, the NBA Finals is over, but there are some interesting things happening in the offseason, and the Olympics basketball team is out there in action as well. Pretty much the Lakers are trying to make a trade with anyone. They've offered Contavious Caldwell Pope and also Kyle Kuzma to damn near everyone in the NBA. Um, will be interesting to see what happens there. A trade that has already happened. Memphis has traded uh, Jonas Valenciunas and the number 17th and 51th pick to the Pelicans for Steven Adams, Eric Bledsoe, the 10th and 40 picks this year. But supposedly, reportedly, Bledsoe is not expected to play for Memphis. So they swap big men. They swap picks. Um, I think that's a win-win for each team. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, Valencia Yunus has looked really good for Memphis. So Steven Adams is going to have his, um, work cut out for him to, to show up and then be able to be, uh, uh, a better player for Memphis this next year, a very young and improving team. Um, Luca going out 48 points in his Olympics debut. Wow. What a performance that was. I think it was like 48 and 12. Um, I wish he was on team USA. That's for sure. Uh, but what a performance for the young man for his country. And um, how about Team USA? Win streak coming to an end. Uh, they played France as Evan Fournier and the stifled tower. Rudy Gobert shuts down USA in the first action and group stage. They play Iran tomorrow on Wednesday. Uh, they are heavily favorited. If they lose there, the hell is freezing over. I expect them to manage this pretty handily, though. It'll be interesting to see what happens. There is also 
Bradley Bill trade drama, just like there was Damian Lillard the week before. In the NBA, you're always going to have uh, trade drama, especially because, hey, it, you know, that's just how it works. Um, teams are, are worried because players will, you know, team up together, make super teams. So, yeah, I'm not surprised about it. But hopefully um, he finds his way on a new team. That Washington team is kind of a mess. Unlike Lillard, I hope he stays. I would love to see Bradley Bill in a Miami Heat uniform. The NBA draft is this Thursday. We covered mock drafts weeks ago when we did with the NFL. I will cover the um, results of it, You know, give my opinions. But mock drafting in the NBA, I'm just not that big into it. Um, you know, There's only two rounds. But what I think is more important is the free agents in this year's class. They have uh, ESPN have put out an article, the top 20 free agents. So we'll kind of go through some of these and, and some of the potential outcomes here. Um, number one on the list, by no surprise, Kawhi Leonard. It's reported that he is going to stay with the Clippers. So I'm just going to assume that is true. Um, I think that's a good fit for him. And to be honest, if he was there, they probably would have won the NBA championship this year. So, um, yeah, I would expect him to stay. Uh, number two, Chris Paul. I hope he stays with with Phoenix, but after the fizzle out in the finals, who knows what he's going to do. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to L.A. as he is friends with LeBron James. Uh, give LeBron another title, give himself his first, but hopefully that does not happen. Um, somehow Lonzo Ball's ranked number three here, um, uh, you know, making 38% from his threes last year, attempting 8.3 per game. Um, you know, that's definitely something to be sought for. It'll be interesting to see who wants him. I have no clue who would want to have Lonzo Ball on his team right now as there's so many good point guards, especially in the starting role. Speaking of which, you have Kyle Lowry right there at number five. He's rumored to potentially go to L.A. Uh, John Collins um, is a free agent. I love me some John Collins. Any team should want to have him. You also have Devontae Graham and Mike Conley, who I would assume stays with the Jazz. He supposedly likes it there. The Jazz want to do everything to keep him. Um, Devontae Graham could be a role player on many teams. You have Duncan Robinson, who I would assume stays with Miami. Mitchell Robinson, Evan Fournier, who didn't do much for the Celtics, but is balling for Team France. It's funny watching these guys go and play in uh, for their country and what kind of plays um, performances they have. Kelly Oubre Jr. with the Warriors. We have Danny Green's a free agent. He's going to be sought after as a three-point shooter. He always has been, and he's always on a different team. Uh, Jarrett Allen, who I really like. I would assume that the Cavs won't keep him because they have a ton of big men. Gary Trent Jr., Norman Powell, who had a huge year for the Blazers. I love me some Norman Powell. They should look to keep him, and I'm sure that'll be a priority for the Blazers. DeMar DeRozan, rumored to be all over the place. Lots of teams interested in DeRozan. Victor Oladipo, after re-injuring himself, I have no idea where he stands and you know what the deal is with him in Miami, as you know that was the piece that they thought they needed until he got hurt again. Enos Cantor, Derek Jones Jr., and Spencer Dinwiddie. Spencer Dinwiddie is 19 on their list. I think he should be a lot higher. I know he's recovering from injury, but I would love to see him on another team. Um, you know, sticking with Brooklyn, the Lakers should be interested in him. Uh, but he is a stud, and I think underrated. But let's talk baseball news. We have some news that's going on. Nelson Cruz traded to the Rays and hits a home run in his debut for Tampa Bay. Big hitting DH for the Rays now on the roster. Supposedly they are not stopping there. They're looking for more action as they find themselves right behind Boston in the standings. Uh, Cleveland Indians are now the Guardians. No more Indians. Which as a 90s baby and a huge Major League movie fan, I cannot accept this. 
Their logo looks like it was made from Photoshop. It's just some wings and a baseball. I'm glad I'm not a Cleveland fan, but it will be the Cleveland Guardians from now on. The Rays trade Rich Hill to the Mets, which made no sense to me if they're trying to stack up their team. But supposedly there's reports that now that the sticky stuff is gone, he hasn't been the same. Uh, he has made a start for them and looks somewhat decent. But the Rays, when they trade their pitchers, they usually know. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out for the Mets. Yerman Mercedes, a guy that I had in my utility fantasy baseball spot who was just crushing balls, started falling apart, got in a big drought, got um, sent down. I think he's all the way down to double A now. He had made a post on Instagram that he's retiring. The next day he doesn't. Guys, if you are emotional, don't post that you're retiring when you're not going to the next day. Just, I can't take you seriously now. Nobody should, right? Your character is just out of control. Um, but hopefully he makes his way back because he could destroy the shit out of the, the baseball they're calling him the Yerminator early on. Nick Castellanos, a potential NV, uh, NL MVP runner, uh, heads to the IL for the Reds. Eloy Jimenez back with the White Sox earlier than expected as they continually need to uh, crush the AL Central and potentially are one of the favorites to win it in the AL. The MLB trade deadline this Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific. Action happening all over. The Pirates have made some trades. There's been some um, low-level name trades. Supposedly Scherzer can pop off at any minute. Interested to see what happens, especially my Angels, to see if we're going to sell some guys, try to buy some guys. What is happening as Mike Trout and... Anthony Rendon are supposedly still weeks away. And we also have Christian Yelich uh, getting COVID after being vaccinated. Just another strand of athletes that are being vaccinated, still getting it, showing that there may be issues this year in the NFL and just in sports in general. So let's talk standings. Boston still has a one and a half game lead ahead of the Rays. And Houston is now five games up on Oakland in the AL West. The Mets continually to have continue to have their lead. They're three and a half games ahead of the Phillies. And the Giants are still somehow two games ahead of the Dodgers and ahead of the Padres in that stacked, stacked division. The Padres and Dodgers, because of this, though, are running away with the wild card in the NL, and nobody's even close. And in the AL, somehow the Mariners are only a game back of the wild card right before the trade deadline. Uh, the Yankees, Blue Jays, Indians, and Angels are all five um, back or closer, still have a chance to catch them. So those will be teams to be interesting to see if they sell, Indians, Angels especially. Um, but, hey, it's it's Tuesday. We still have all week. It's going to be fun. So last weekend's matchups, the Braves beat the Phillies. Actually, the Braves and the Phillies split. They go 2-2 in a four-game series. The Red Sox keep the Yankees back with a 3-1 series lead. For the Yankees, you got to win those divisional games. Tough series loss for them. I'm sure they're going to buy because they're a buyer's team. Uh, but, yeah, they're kind of a hot mess right now. The Reds beating the Cardinals 2-1 in a fun NL series. The Rays beating the Indians to keep them back in the wild card and to try to uh, catch the Red Sox 3-1 in a four-game series. And then the Mets beat the Blue Jays 2-1 in a little AL-NL battle. I love those battles and always root for the AL. The Blue Jays couldn't do it. But the White Sox could. They beat the Brewers 2-1 in that AL-NL battle. And then the Mariners just making moves, just shocking the shit out of me. They won. They were down 8-0 at one point last night. And they had won. They won the game in the bottom of the eighth with two outs. They hit a grand slam, Dylan Moore. They won that series 3-1. They get another victory yesterday. 
they just keep on winning, man. I don't get it. I don't get it, man. Uh, but this weekend, we got some fun ones. We have the Athletics and the Angels. As my Angels try to stay above water, if they can't win against the Athletics after the Mariners kick the shit out of them, they should just sell. Uh, the Red Sox versus Rays in a divisional leader battle that's hosting Sunday Night Baseball. That'll be a doozy right after the trade deadline as well. We have Mets versus Reds in the NL. Indians versus White Sox as the Indians try to stay in the hunt. And then Astros versus Giants. Talk ALN now. We're talking two of the best. This will be fun to watch this weekend. But hey, we can't stop this show without talking about the Summer Olympics in Tokyo. Kind of a, you know, interesting topic here. Uh, Simone Biles dropping out of the gymnastics uh, finals, stating that she's having mental issues and she has to worry about herself. And sucks that it happens in the finals, but it is what it is. We're seeing more and more of this with social media, these young athletes, people being able to respond to them, you know, comments, yada, yada. It, got, it has to be tough on them mentally. I know I probably could not handle it. Uh, when I was their age, I wasn't even matured yet and had no confidence in myself, let alone handling the pressure of the whole world. So, yeah, probably things will start seeing more and more. When it comes to the medal standings, we have the USA with 25 medals and 9 golds. China in second with 21 medals and 9 golds. And then Japan with 18 medals but 10 golds leading the gold race. Will be fun to keep tracking that through the Summer Olympics. Got to give a shout out to my guy Martin from Montana, Missoula Maggot, uh, Jester alum for Missoula. Uh, he's on the USA Rugby Sevens team and even got a try in an Olympic matchup as USA is playing in group stages. They'll play again tonight. Uh, they have two matchups, so it'll be fun to track them down. Hopefully, they can make a run for gold. And then Lee Kiefer is the first American with a gold in fencing. Bravo, Lee, on that performance. The USA has two swimming golds, and then superstar Katie Ledecky with a silver finish. Bummer to see, but there's plenty more races to go. Um, you know, she's the stud that everyone wants to watch. And before we wrap up, we have some other hitters to talk about. The NHL draft has happened. The NHL schedule is out. I'm already looking at what Kraken games I want to see to come see my Avs, see the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins are coming to town. But the, the roster is official for the Kraken. Um, not a lot of superstars. They had some potential to sign some big names, including um, the Canadians goalie, including Ovechkin. They could, Alex Ovechkin could potentially make moves. But they end up with Maisel Appleton, Colin Blackwell, Morgan Geeky, uh, Yanni Gord from the Lightning, the championship Lightning. He's the one name that definitely sticks out to me. Uh, Cal Jockrock. Jared McCann, John Queneville, Alexander True, um, Brandon Tenev, uh, he's a great player, Carson uh, Twarinski, Nathan Bastian, Junis Donsky, Jordan Eberly, Cole Lind, Gavin Bethayer, William Borgren, Dennis Cholowitzki, Vince Dunn, Kel Fleury, Hayden Fleury, Mark Giordano, Adam Larson, Jeremy Lausen, Jamie Oleksik, Carson Soucy, and then goalies Joey Decord, Chris Dredger, and Vitek Vancic. And you look at the roster, what they had built out. They didn't sign the superstars. They still have a ton of free agent salary. Very defensive, head, defensive heavy roster. will be interesting to see if they try to make some big names in, on the offensive side um, and free agency. 
it looks like they went with the two goalie, um, you know, perspective. A lot of teams are starting to do two goalies, like running backs. You can't have one need to have multiple. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be fun. Seattle's super hyped up. They had the draft release party, uh, at the Gasworks park, bunch of superstars there, Macklemore, Marshawn Lynch, so on and so forth. But Hey, the Kraken are cracking baby. Uh, it's going to be fun to see some hockey here in Seattle at the new, um, Climate Pledge Arena. But last thing, Mr. Mark andre Fleury on the move again. Not this time to the Kraken, but going to the Chicago Blackhawks because of cap issues for the Vegas Knights. Very interesting to see. Uh, supposedly, he wants to talk to his family uh, to see if, um, you know, he still wants to play. Retirement's not out of question. But hey, that's our show. It is the middle of summer. We got baseball going on trade deadline. Next week, we'll be able to talk NBA draft. What happened in the MLB trade line? Trade deadline. Who's real contenders? Who's pretenders? Lots of fun stuff. Business and buckets. Don't forget to tune into episode seven featuring Amy Carpenter, CEO of Solterra, one of my good friends, just a badass woman entrepreneur. So make sure to like, subscribe, share the word, spread the word, sports fans and business um, wannabes or business nerds alike. Uh, we will see you guys next week, but don't forget fieldsupplements.com, knocked out, supplements, protein, whatever you need, they got you. If you're going to buy supplements, help the uh, you know small local businesses. It's people helping people. That's what it's all about. See you guys next week.